Greetings, it's Hugh Ballou. My guest today has been a really wonderful friend, and she knows how to write the right message. The first time I met Cheryl Snap Connor, she interviewed me, and the next thing I knew, there was this article about me online, a Forbes article, and she understood what I do. And when people ask me, what do you do, Hugh? I just send them to that article because one hour, she got it. And we have an important topic to talk about today. Instead of me wasting time telling you about Cheryl Snap Connor, she's sitting in her office in Salt Lake City, Snap Connor PR Agency. Cheryl, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here, Hugh. And um, I have all kind of people on this interview series, and I'm going to ask you the same question I asked them. What makes you qualified to talk about this topic? And tell me what the topic is. How are we going to tell people what this subject is? We're going to talk about communications, which is essentially everything. I am an expert in communications. It's how I make my career. And what a fortunate thing. It was only my minor in college. Most people aren't aware of that. I had a different major topic. It was the minor in English that saved my career bacon. So I spent <laughs> my entire career and every gray hair that I have earned in the field of communications. And it matters. So it's what has been essential to my career, how I've supported my family, how we've developed our business. But it is the core of every business. I have been an advocate and proponent of what we call thought leadership, communications from the very core, it was not always known or understood, but even in the earliest days of technology, where I got my career start, it was vital. If you think about those early technology products, they didn't have an audience. There were IT people who attempted to communicate to each other, but that was only so useful. And in fact, the very reason I was hired by my first technology job, actually second, I was an editor for IBM, Ooh. But Novell, the company that premiered local area networking, had a concept in place, networking of PCs. People who needed it or could benefit it, benefit from it didn't know what it was. So I was specifically chosen as someone who could communicate well and didn't understand a thing about technology so that I wouldn't have lost my ability to talk about these topics Oh. in a way the general public could grasp and understand. So press releases, not that helpful. Speeds and feeds of something people don't care about or know about anyway is not going to help. We began by telling the stories of real businesses, law offices, medical practices, education organizations. So what did you do? What was the problem? What are your choices? The kind of things you'd tell your best friend. So as you made this decision, who do you have to convince? How much did it cost? If you did this over again, what would you do better next time than you did before? Those are meaningful discussions, and, and that held traction. But the same is true for every company since. Every entrepreneur has a topic. They've got things that they're expert in that others would be very, very pleased to know about. Yes, and I, I invite people to go to Forbes and, and Google Cheryl Snap Connor, and you have a whole series in this entrepreneur channel, and those articles are just so helpful, and you really help me understand what communication is all about, especially with words, 
And you talked about being outside of the technology so you could talk about it differently. Our audience um, are social entrepreneurs. They're running a business and they're, we're so intimate with everything. We don't know how to tell people about it. It seems silly, but we don't. And, and the same thing with, with churches and synagogues and, and local charities. We do great stuff, but the world doesn't know about it. Um, and so there's, there's a couple of you. You're sitting in SnapConnor Agency. Is it snapconnor.com? Yes, S-N-A-P-P, two P's, and then Connor is E-R-C-O-N-N-E-R. But if you just Google my name, you'll find it quite easily. Great, and that's one place, and it's, uh, you have a team of really highly skilled experts, and your strategic place and a really nice facility, very good, warm, friendly workplace. But uh, I was quite impressed and with you and your staff when I visited last week, just recently. Yes. You, there's also a gap between the, uh, the professional agency that, does it for you? And how do we raise the bar on creating our own? So we're going to talk a little bit about that's a passion for you is helping all those people who are out there and don't need a full-time agency or quite, are quite ready for one called content you. So we'll talk about that. University, Yes. Okay. University use the whole word. Okay. Sorry. Either way, either URL will work for anyone who'd like to know more about it. But the legions of entrepreneurs, particularly social entrepreneurs, they shouldn't hire an agency and they can't afford an agency yet, but they do need a little bit of savvy. So if they do what they can that's free or very low cost, that is what they should do for as long as they possibly can, get the help where it's truly needed, don't overspend. And that applies to every entrepreneur that too many will either ignore communications and PR entirely because they feel like, oh, I'll do that when I become profitable. And then they never do become profitable or they make mistakes that are just costly or hard to recover from, or they, they go whole hog and they spend way, way too much money on the wrong things. And, and that's, that's a waste in another way. In part, a waste of the impact you could have had if you'd used the investment more more frugally and with more savvy in the first place. Well put, well put. If we're thinking about these these leaders. Um, they, they run a charity like a community foundation or a purpose-based charity. They run a church or synagogue, or they have a small business. So we're thinking outside the box. We're doing something innovative, and people need to know either to buy from us or to be volunteers and donors for our organization. So what's the, the single um, most important thing to learn about publishing, developing and publishing content to make sure that their vision is, is really clear? I am so glad you asked. Um, it's one thing, but that one thing has two components. One is to really pin down your message and understand it yourself and verbalize it in the best way possible before you begin. If you think about it, your own messaging, and I have a template. I provide it free of charge to anyone who'd like it. Mm. But your own messaging, if you have the best words possible to express what you do and the value proposition for those who should participate, that, that is a big, big key. So do that first. If you think about it, if you are in the press two or three places, you've probably moved the needle right there so long as those places are credible and the message is consistent. If your message was random or, heaven forbid, conflicting in those places, you, you could have done a net negative to yourself. Or a reporter, think about how frustrating it is to be in my chair, to ask someone, 
Hugh, Hugh Baloo, what do you do? And if you paused and said, if you have an hour, I could tell you. Anything less than that would be selling it short because it has so many facets. And you'd be absolutely right, and I'd be absolutely annoyed. I would not be able to walk away and write that article. I just, you know, figure it out. Come back or send me a note when you got it figured out. So having that message clear and easy to do, but we've got a template. And, but the other, and this is the golden rule of communications, Think about your readers, your listeners first. So many people just can't get over this author's ego. It's my voice. It's my persona. I need to be through to my authentic voice. And nobody really cares what you dreamed about on your motorcycle trip, even if it was inspiring. Or, or your innermost thoughts about Martin Luther King. Yes, again, inspiring. But your readers care about what's urgent and high priority to them and that could be that they want to make a difference in an area that you are passionate about okay tell them how give them something they can grasp on something they can do something they can know and a way for them to get on board that is not a hard sell but an invitation that allows them to go as far as they like uh, another aspect of getting over that ego is Thinking about where it should appear, maybe your ego would be well served and your credibility too. If you were an author for Forbes, that's great. But the people who say, I need that, what's it going to take? Hook a fella up, make that introduction because I need the credibility of that masthead next to my name. I need that marketing megaphone. And then I have to break the word. Well, that's the very reason that publication would flee from your presence. They are not there to provide you with a marketing megaphone. They're there to serve their readers, just as you should be. So, so yes, maybe several articles, like the one that you gave the interview to me for. Uh -huh. That is an anchor. That's a great thing. But for the rest of your communication or for the bulk of your communication, putting it somewhere where people can more readily engage with you, on LinkedIn, on Medium, somewhere where legally and appropriately at the end of that article you can put a full paragraph you know italicize it so you're not misleading people that it's a part of your article let them know what can i do next how can i reach you how can i engage how can i subscribe plus people who get onto those platforms are ready for a dialogue they didn't have to go register for a profile on a magazine where they're kind of semi-nervous and embarrassed and their comment is likely to be nice article thank you they're ready to engage in a dialogue, and then they're, they're really more than halfway down the path to getting on board and actually doing something with you. Uh, there's a gentleman I wrote about recently. You can find my article on him, Benjamin P. Hardy. I saw one that of, one. Saw yeah, that one. one of the three most read writers on Medium. Uh-huh. 50,000 subscribers that he gained in a period of 16 months. He made some mistakes in that process, which he's open about, and that's key too, that he was authentic about it. But what he did and how he did it, he, he gave me in this interview, that is gold information. Golden information. And, and one of the things he said, while he's been published in Fortune, in Business Insider, in Huffington Post, he said, that's not where I got my subscribership. 99 plus percent came from Medium. Isn't that interesting? Fascinating. 
Fascinating. I heard a couple of things there. Um, one, being a Scottish Presbyterian, I heard the word free. Um, yes. So if you'll send me the link, if that's how you want people to do it, or send them where they can download the document, I'll put it in the transcription for this interview. Um, also, I heard consistency. That's something that we as entrepreneurs aren't very good about. And if we want people to buy our product or service or we want donors to say, stay donors and raise their donations, we need to be sending them consistent content about what's happening. And <clears throat> I encourage leaders that are building organizations to have um, what I call advocates, people that are important, that you just send them updates, what's going on. And they're successful people who are in a position to connect you with other successful people. They need information. We call that top of mind uh, marketing. They remember you because you stayed in touch. I call that influencer marketing too. I love it. Those advocates, they have power. It's exponential. Everybody wins. They win if they share valued information. And if you are the conduit of that, everybody gains. And um, what we talked about in my interview <clears throat> in 2013, it's been a couple, couple of days. Um, <laughs> I, I, I reframe leadership as influence. We've, people think that a conductor is a dictator. No, we can't influence people with a little white stick, but you can influence them. And so leadership is influence, and being able to articulate that in words is a great gift. Well, this is so helpful. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> how do we measure results. We send out stuff and it just goes out there. How do we know it's working? Well, there are multiple metrics. And, and honestly, the, in the final analysis, it's going to be the growth and success of your program. So that's that. But to distill deeper, where am I specifically getting the best return for the efforts I'm making? There are multiple things you could consider. One would be just increasing subscribership. In the case of Benjamin Hardy, he noted that even when he was getting 10,000 new subscribers a week, mm -hmm. a lot of them were just um, passive participants who, yes, I'm interested and compelled by what you have to say, but that's the extent of it. So he developed a process. First of all, he recognized that when he first had a really, really home run viral article come out, Several hundred thousand people a week hitting his website and his website. He said, my website sucked. I was not prepared. I had no way to gather in the traction. Now he's learned and he sends people instead of going direct to his homepage to a landing page that says, here's how to subscribe. And if you do, you can have my free ebook. His ebook is really, really good. Slipstream time hacking. He put a lot of thought and energy into that book it's high value so so giving something of high value when people subscribe so they're compelled and then in his case he sends people five email notes in sequence after they've subscribed describing five of the principles he considers important for productivity on the sixth mailing he sends them an invitation not a hard sell but an invitation to purchase his First product, it's an intro course that is $19. So it teaches his seven productivity principles, but does so in, in a high-level way. So it's not like he's giving away the store of everything he could provide. It is high-level, but it is high-value. But then people get on board and they have purchased something. So now he's got active, engaged audience that he knows. For example, and he's a big, big... Um, 
proponent of the principles of Stephen R. Covey. Mm-hmm. And in fact, those, those were kind of an influence for the, the most viral article that he wrote. While he doesn't have a business or an agenda yet, he knows that he will. He knows it's a foregone conclusion that he'll need to write, so he's honing those abilities. 28 years old. For one thing, with that massive audience that he has amassed, those who've just subscribed and those who've purchased something, whatever book he introduces next is foreordained and guaranteed to be an instant bestseller. Yeah. Now imagine what you could do with that level of influence. What kind of change could you enact with that power behind you? You have just hit on something. When I work with, with um, people building out any of these enterprises, we redefine leadership as influence. We, we, and underneath that is building relationship. And uh, I also tell them underneath communication is building relationship. And what you just described, he's getting known and trusted. He's built relationship with a tribe of people. He it's, has. They're going to look for the next thing. So we tend to want to rush and, you know, get to the sale rather than creating value for people. And that's, that's what I heard you say in, in that. He's created some unique value for people who now are poised on the edge of their seat for the next piece, which I well, love. In fact, another influencer, Dean Graciosi, he is in the area of real estate. But there is social entrepreneurship in some of his thinking and some of his offerings. And his motto, which I love, is provide insane value. Oh, I love it. Love it. Insane value. Is that cool? And because he's been successful in doing that, he's attracted some detractors. It's it's inevitable. You get that much traction. There are going to be a few vocal people who disagree, who are just um, having a bad day, need a hug. Maybe they're just plain turkeys. He says, never ignore that vocal minority. Listen to them. While it's painful, what was the kernel of what they said that maybe you should learn from? Consider that. You know, consider the source, but also consider that. Maybe there was a core of a message in there that you really did need to hear. And that's a little humbling, but important as well. Well, and and I like to go another step and have some dialogue with them because sometimes it's not the words that the meaning, it's something behind the words. And so understanding in that building relationship and valuing that communication, I I commend you. They just wanted to be heard. Absolutely. They know that you heard them, that you cared, that you listened. Maybe that's enough. Often it is. Yeah, and you don't have to debate the issue and just say thank you. And, and, you know, getting over ourselves, like you said earlier, not everybody's going to hear us the same way, and that's so helpful. Um, you mentioned earlier on thought leadership. Mm-hmm. Deeper, deeper, is everybody a thought leader, or what separates that, and do organizations have more than one thought leader? You know, um, that term maybe is jargon to some, but I think the, the term expert source maybe is another influencer. I think everybody understands Thought leadership would mean that you are somebody with authority who is regarded, who has following that respect and anticipate and listen to what you say. Yes. And in fact, there is good reason for there to be multiple thought leaders in an organization. For one, suppose there's only one thought leader. It's the CEO and the CEO leaves or makes a misstep. Think about that. If there are multiple employees, uh, there's another name for that kind of phenomena that not everyone understands, but I think it's powerful. 
employee advocacy. Ooh. Yes, if there are people in your organization that are not only allowed, are actually invited or compelled to join with you, they gain authority, they gain skills that make them promotable, and they are magnifying your message in a way you could not achieve on your own. I've told this story a few times, but I think it bears retelling. A Salt Lake organization that had a successful IPO, new global vice president of communications comes in, powerful woman, observes around her that her sales VPs were publishing on LinkedIn, unbeknownst to anyone. They'd gone rogue, not because they were trying to be rebellious, but because it was working. They were gaining sales. But imagine how much better that could be, and safer too, because now they've got SEC requirements to think about. But not only if they are given the ammunition to keep their brand and message consistent, it saves them the work of having to reinvent every wheel to decide what they're going to write about and share. And, and one individual I so admire, John Bowen, he, he works with financial coaches. He conducts an extensive study every six months. So the people he counsels and teaches are not having to think, okay, okay, you've taught me what to do. I need to think of a topic. It's handed to them. It's golden. Now they're, they're walking within the brand, but they're creating their own influence, those power relationships in a very, very effective way. And in fact, there is research currently that shows Brand advertising. If you see me holding a Diet Coke, you'd know I like Diet Coke. You'd be right. That's not as effective as account selling, where you have a relationship with an individual or mm -hmm. there's an environment of, of trust that's a head start towards what you want to do next with that individual. So foster that and foster as much of it as you can. It's also a reputation protection. If that message is told, consistently by multi, multiple people, and you will understand this, there is a polyphonic sound that occurs. There is an orchestra of outcome, not a lone voice. That is powerful. Great, and great. if somebody makes a mistake, we're human, somebody gets into a reputational mess, you're, you're better protected that way too, that the whole organization or message didn't come down on the back of one flawed individual. Ah. Yeah, that's right. It's you have a symphony or a choir of high performing individuals, which you nurture. And a lot of leaders don't understand. That's why I've, I've reinvented leadership because what we've been taught is not working. It's not right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm subject. You got a time constraints today, but I wanted to talk. And as we wrap up about content university and your, your passion behind that and a little bit about content marketing, do you have time for those two? I do. I'll be quick, but we developed a program, and in fact, the editor I wrote for for four and a half years at Forbes, when Forbes moved its headquarters, he took the jump into entrepreneurship and joined my team mm. and developed with us a curriculum. It's, it's not a lengthy curriculum, 10 lessons, content university. My thought was, how could we put Tom Post in a box and provide that kind of counseling to everyone because they can't afford it? Uh, so we made it affordable. So that program, which we have on a video book and online, and we do some, some workshops with people, either in person or via Zoom as well, 
$1,000. So thought leadership in a box, every person or organization can manage that. It's, it's honestly less than the price of one article that you would engage an agency to write for you, let alone get it published. So most people can complete that training in 10 hours or less. We do provide some, some direct coaching with them to help make sure they succeed. At the end of that, not only have they completed an exam that gives them our certification, we're working with you, in fact, to see if we can get that um, quickly advanced to continuing education credit in as many, many verticals as possible. But um, our certification and a completed publish-worthy article that we would help that individual publish if needed so that they know what to do with it, even as valuable as a great piece of writing is what to do with it to advance your vision, your mission, your business. So that's available, um, low cost. And then the, the last thing, our Snappington Post newsletter, any, our, our website or any of our properties you go to, any of my columns will tell you how to subscribe to that. It's free, that word you love, free. Just subscribe to it. We won't overburden you. Every other week, we will send you an email of the articles we've created, the value add, and are going to start adding to that the best of content university. So the best writing that comes out of our constituent base, oh. we'll provide that too. Oh, that's great. That's great. We just don't know how to tell our story. So that is priceless. Contentuniversity.com? Yes. That is lovely. That or is lovely. content you, either way. Either word. Cheryl, um, as we wrap up here, I want to let you invite you to give people a tip that's going to help them um, revise or rethink their, their whole communication strategies. But remind people it's Snap Connor with an ER, um, snapconnor.com. Yes. And, uh, and then content university or content you.com. And the links will be in the transcription for this. Cheryl's articles can also be found in uh, Center Vision's nonprofit professional performance 360 magazine and um, lots of places that are important on the web. So just, just Google her name and you'll see some amazing articles and just the few she's referred to you can are important to learn from, but there's many more. So as we, as we wrap up this great interview, I'm inspired. I want to go write something. As we wrap up this interview, um, what's a tip you'd like people to leave with? What you like to tell people they can go out and do something different? Give them a good tip. Um, you can do it. One of my favorite writers I met on LinkedIn, Chris Furby, 14 months ago, had never written a thing in his life. Mm. And became a best-selling writer of a self-published book. It's first 30 days, which was last December. He sold himself 10,000 copies of his book. It's time to sell. Chris Burby. You can find him on LinkedIn. Follow his story. I wish I could say he was a Content University graduate, but he, he intuitively discovered the principles himself and used them and writes and shares freely how he did that. You can do it. If he can do it, you can do it. Spell Furby, F-E-R. Furby, S-P-U-R-V-E-Y. I'm glad you asked me. S, okay. Yeah. So for all those people that said, I can't write, get over it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, get over yourself. Cheryl, you're wonderful, amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your tips and your time today. Thank you, Hugh.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.